What would you like folks to say at your funeral? I know some of you thinking, man, it's only <laughs> it's only 10.30 in the morning. That's a lot. That's pretty heavy to be thinking about that kind of thing. But here's the thing is that life fills up with something, right? And our lives fill up with something. And, um, you know, I think most of us would want at our funeral someone to get up and say, you know, that person was so full of love. You know, that person was full of joy. That person was full of peace, and what a patient person they were. They were known for their patience. I think we would all want that. But again, our life gets filled up with something, so sometimes we want to be filled with these things, these fruits of the Spirit, and if we, do, if we are filled with these things, then we are truly walking the walk, right? That's our sermon series is, how do we walk the walk? Because we want to get to the end of the, our lives having walked the walk so that people will say that that person reflected God's qualities in these things. Now, in contrast, somebody could get up and say, you know, that person was really full of hostility, that's what I really remember about them. They were just so hostile all the time, so argumentative, so divisive, just really known for their sexual immorality, known for their drunkenness. Now, I know you're thinking, no one would stand up at his funeral and say that. Okay, probably not, but are they thinking it? Because, you know, on our, at funerals, we have to be on our best behavior. But, you know, life can get filled up with these things. And, and we all, perhaps ourselves, or, or even know folks that, yeah, when it comes to what is their life known as, they're more known for again, being combative than being loving. And so how do we get around that? How do we live a life where we walk the walk and we're known for these good qualities? The Apostle Paul is going to give us some uh, direction in this, and today we're going to talk about how do we live that kind of life. And you know, it really depends on walking in the Spirit. That walking the walk requires walking in the Spirit. We started to talk about this last week, but again, when God gives promises, one of the promises He gave through Christ is that we would have the Holy Spirit. So Jeremiah 31 uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 11 talks about God's promise that he's going to forgive our sins and then he's going to give us his Holy Spirit that he will dwell in us so that the good news is that God wants us to be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. So it's not just about working harder. It's about God wanting to produce these fruits in our lives and he's going to seek to do that. So that it's not just up to us, that we can walk in God's promises, we can walk in that spirit and be known for these things instead of the other things. And when God gives us his spirit and we take him up on his promise so that we've trusted in Christ, we have his Holy Spirit, it's not like we become spiritual robots, and in fact, we actually have more freedom. When we receive God's spirit, we also have the freedom not just to do what we want, not just to live like the world, but we have the freedom to live by the spirit. But that freedom also means that we can live by the spirit or we can continue to live by the flesh. We have that choice. 
And so for freedom, God gives us the Spirit so that our choices, our abilities are increased, not decreased. But will we live by that gift? That's the question. That's what the Apostle Paul, he wants to, to guide um, us. He wants to guide uh, the people he's writing to in the book of Galatians into how do we live in that freedom? How do we walk in the Spirit? So um, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. That's, where, uh, that's our scripture. That's where Paul is going to give us some instruction. And so if we're jumping into Galatians 5, 16, what am I hoping that you're asking, church? Context. What's the context? You can't just take scriptures out of, out of context. Give me some context. I'm glad you asked. I'll give you some context. Um, the teachers, so there's, Paul's writing to the Galatians because there are some teachers coming around to the church in Galatia and saying, you know, belief in Christ really isn't enough. That the new covenant blessings of God, um, you know, it's, you still have to follow the old covenant rules, especially circumcision. So you definitely need to be circumcised if you're going to be a true child of God. And so the Apostle Paul, he's really combating that. He's saying, no, no, Christ fulfilled everything, and he gave us the Spirit so to set us free from all that self-effort, all of the things that we want to check off the box, uh, Christ has set us free so that we can walk in freedom of the Spirit and not by the letter of the law. However, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. He set us free from sin, not to sin. And now Paul clarifies, what's this freedom that he's given us in the new covenant? And in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then he goes on to talk about what walking in the freedom of the Spirit looks like, that what it looks like and what it doesn't look like, what the fruit will be, um, that when we're walking in freedom, we'll exhibit. So that's the context. Now let's look at Galatians 5.16. Paul says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires, desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice he says such things. That means this isn't an exhaustive list. It's just a sample. Uh, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So here, Paul, he, he kind of highlights that inner battle between the, the spirit and the flesh. And again, we talked about this last week quite a bit in Romans chapter 8. Uh, when he says flesh, it doesn't mean physical. He means flesh, that fallen part of the world, and therefore that fallen part of ourselves that does things apart from God. So that's the flesh. The flesh and the spirit set themselves against each other. So the good news is in the new covenant, God gives us his spirit 
but he pours out his spirit when those who trust in him, but we've not been perfected yet. And the world is still fallen. It's still fleshly. And now we have freedom. We have the freedom to choose the spirit, but we also still have the freedom to choose the flesh, to choose self over spirit. So we can approach things trying to walk the walk by cranking up the flesh, the, 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 the willpower, right? But no, we don't just have willpower. We have the Spirit's power. I talked a lot about that last week. But in this battle of, of flesh versus spirit, this war within, it's important to identify the spirit stuff and the flesh stuff. So the analogy I want to use today is, is having a garden or a flower bed, Okay, anyone garden this year? Anyone plant some, a garden and have flowers? Yes, good, good. Now, life comes at us fast, right? Especially, so if you try to plant a garden and you're a busy person, so Wendy tried and I tried to plant gardens and we did okay, but we're just so busy that what happens a lot of times is you plant stuff, both weeds and fruit and flowers just all start growing at the same time. And it's really hard to, discern, wait a minute, is that a weed or is that something I planted? Right? Does that happen to you? And sometimes you end up tearing out some flowers or something. Um, and you don't recognize the weeds right away, especially if they're very common. You know, like you just see, see them all over the place. And so you're like, is that a weed? Whatever. And, or especially if you're new to gardening. Right? If you're new to gardening, you're not sure what does this plant look like? What does the weed look like? So too, if when we become Christians, if we're new Christians, sometimes we can't discern, wait, what is a weed and what's the fruit look like, especially at first, especially when life comes at you fast. When we lived in North Carolina for six years, we tried to plant a garden and it was difficult because they have different plants down there. They have different weeds. And so things were popping up and I wasn't sure, was like, wait, should I pull that out or not? So it was, it was kind of difficult. But here's the thing, is that even when you have a patch that you're going to plant a garden in or a flower bed, what's really frustrating is you can rip all the weeds out, but in two weeks, what happens? They're just back there. Well, that's what life is like. And, and here, I think the Apostle Paul is saying, all right, as your, your garden needs to be full of something. It's going to be filled with something as things, as life just goes by. And he's saying, all right, I want to set things up so that you, you uh, have that spiritual fruit, fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to talk a little bit, and the gifts of the Spirit, that's what needs to be in your garden, and not the weeds. These, the weeds should not be in your garden. And so in verse 20, 19 through 21, he gives a, a list of what's called works of the flesh. What does that look like? Because if I want to walk in the spirit, if I want to be known as a person who walks the walk, then Paul's saying, yeah, be careful for these things. These are weeds. If they pop in your garden, you should know about it and, and get rid of them. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. That's just a... a, a Different word for like hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And he ends with those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says that because you see these things are not fruits of the spirit. These aren't from God. These things aren't from the spirit. These are deeds of the flesh. And we are free to do what we want but if, if, if we see these things popping up in our life, these are weeds. 
They're, they're growing up in our garden. We're not walking the walk if these things are popping up. Um, we're walking in the flesh. And Christ saved us from these things. So let's look at the list of weeds a little bit. So they, they can be grouped. Right? One of them is sexual immorality, debauchery, orgies. Um, now, sometimes Bible-following Christians, we can get the reputation for being kind of obsessed with sex, right? That's all we talk about. That's all we think about, and it's all we try not to do and all that. But here, notice in this list that the Apostle Paul, I mean, he mentions these things, but they're of a list of all sorts of other stuff, right? That there's, there's fits of anger, jealousy, strife. And so Paul's not obsessed with them, but make no mistake, he says, well, but also realize these are, these are deeds of the flesh, that these things are weeds in your garden. And, and so there's no getting around the fact that there's a sexual ethic in the scriptures that's contrary to the prevailing cultural view. It's true. Uh, there's no getting around that, that God designed sex to occur in the context of a husband and wife marriage. Anything else is a weed. Anything else is sexual immorality. But then he also talks about idolatry and sorcery. Okay, I get that. Yeah, you shouldn't be worshiping false gods. Yeah, that would be a weed. That would not be a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit doesn't want us to worship false gods. Does, sorcery, that's magic, where we try to manipulate false gods or demons in order to do those things. Yeah, it, we understand that, and, and we can easily identify, yeah, those things are weeds growing in the garden. But then the list goes on to things that seem a little more commonplace, at least in my experience, in my life, and in church work, that people seem comfortable with. So yeah, you know, you talk about the idolatry or sexual immorality, people are like, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, I, we, those are weeds. But what about hostility? What about strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Oh, snap. Hostility and divisions. See, our culture is just, I mean, if we look at the, the field of our culture, it is just full of hostility and division. Is it not? And the thing is, is, is those weeds are seeding and they're starting to grow in the church too. So many things, and I, I, I've seen it, because the thing is, is that in, in our culture, in the media, whether it's social media or whatever media, division and hostility, they drive traffic. They drive web traffic. So you get a lot more hits by, by being hostile and, and talking about division than talking about peace and love. And, and the problem is, is that stuff is kind of, it's starting to be sowed in the church as well. So... You know, we can, we can talk about politics. We can talk about the pandemic. So politics, there's, you know, oh, those people, they, they're Trumpers. And so we immediately feel hostility or, or, um, or division, that that's a division. Or those people, they're woke. That's a division. That's, that's, I'm going I'm to label them. And I'm going to immediately feel hostility to them. These are, this is terminology of the world. This, these are weeds. This is not fruit of the Spirit. Or pandemics, right? That's really shown a lot of stuff too. All those people, they wear face diapers, they live in fear. <laughs> or oh, those people, those anti-vaxxers, they just hate everyone, they want everyone to die. 
These are divisions. These, this is weeds. This is not fruit. And it's from our culture, and it's sprouting up in the church. And this should not be. This should not be. And Paul is pointing out that this, these are, um, yeah, this is not fruit. This, these are deeds of the flesh. So that when we see that or we feel that, we feel that hostility towards others. We feel like I'm making a division with my brothers and sisters in Christ based on this. We need to realize that we've got weeds growing in our hearts. But it goes on and talks about jealousy and rivalries. As Christians, do we rejoice when other people do well or not? Love means we want other people to be blessed. It means that, that as Christians, we're on the same page. And there's no rivalries there, especially with other Bible-believing churches. You know, um, many of you have, have seen that uh, some of the folks from Living Gate Church have, have kind of been coming into our church as their, uh, their church is no longer viable, and they're figuring out, do we want to partner with Second Baptist Church? And, and, uh, and that's a great thing because we're on the same team. That's, that's a part of it. Uh, you know, um, Stony Brook, right? We do Missing Row Ministries with, with Stony Brook Church. Why? Well, because we're on the same team. But when we're jealous or we feel rivalries, that's a weed, that's not a fruit. Or what, dissensions. That's a weed, not a fruit. Well, what's a dissension? <laughs> uh that's complaining, that's disagreeing, that, that threatens unity, that instead of doing what's best for everyone, instead of uh, all of us being on, in unity, we pursue our own agenda. That's a dissension, that's a weed, that's not a fruit. So when we see in ourselves that, that wanting to, to, to be disagreeable, wanting to upset unity, that's dissension, that's a weed, not a fruit. And the warning here is that those things aren't of Jesus. Those aren't of the Spirit. They're not of his kingdom. He says, I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what's interesting is many of those things I just talked about, I'll bet we can see them in our hearts. Do we not? That, oh yeah, okay, idolatry, I don't do that. That, of course, is not of the Spirit. But yet, we're jealous or we're hostile to one another. See, in, in this translation, it says, I warn you before that those who do such things. Now, do is an okay translation, uh, but the, the Greek word is, has a more nuance of practice. So it's important that those who practice such things, because weeds can sprout up all over the place, right? And you address them. But, but that, you're not growing those things. You're not gathering those things. You're, you don't have a garden and say, yeah, I really want to grow more hostility. Rather, in your garden, these things pop up. You don't practice them. You say, yeah, that, okay, I see that, but that's not what I'm growing. That's what, not what I'm going to harvest. And so we're not in step with the Spirit. We don't cultivate those things. Um, we don't cultivate those, uh, we cultivate the fruit. We don't cultivate the weeds so that we stay in step with the Spirit. 
All right, so let's say maybe you saw some of those in yourself. I, I know I have. Some of these weeds I just talked about that the Apostle Paul talked about, these deeds of the flesh. What do you do? All right, you see some of those in your heart. What do you do? Well, there's two approaches. One is, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a, a witch hunt. I'm going to tear out all these weeds and just start tearing them. Then you're, you're, you're staring at your garden, right? And then it's, oh, boom, pull that out, pull that out. That's one approach. And I think more legalistic type of people go that approach. But again, what's the problem with that is if you pull up a weed, then again, in a couple of weeks, just another one grows. So there's this, it doesn't feel like freedom, does it, when, we, when that's our approach? It feels like we're just having to, to watch the garden all the time, and I'm constantly pulling weeds out of the garden. That is one approach. But the other approach, and this is what I think the Apostle Paul suggests, is you fill your garden so full of fruit, so full of gifts of the Spirit, that there's no room for weeds. That's what he is talking about. Because look, look at verse 16. This is what he leads with. He says, I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the deeds of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. That's what he says. He says, if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're so full of the Spirit, you don't need to worry about that because it won't happen. Your garden will be so full of the fruit of the Spirit that there's no room for the flesh. And shouldn't that be our approach? It is, if unless we want to keep going back to the garden, and it doesn't feel like freedom. What feels like freedom is, no, I am choosing to walk in the Spirit. I'm choosing to cultivate this fruit and these gifts, and God is working so that, yeah, that other stuff that sometimes pops up is not popping up like it used to. Verse 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And notice, it's the, the deeds or work of the flesh, but fruit of the Spirit. What does the what does the Spirit produce in the life of a believer who's walking in the Spirit? Well, he lists some in verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What's interesting is these are all about character. You know, where it talks about deeds, these are more about character qualities. And if I'm walking in the Spirit, I should see these things. And their lack should also cause us to press into the Spirit because, you know, these things are produced by the Spirit. They're fruit from the Spirit. But we can still cultivate these things, even if it's the Spirit who provides the increase. So how? How do we cultivate that? How do we cultivate the, the fruit of the Spirit? Well, we cultivate through confession. Confession. What? I mean, confession can, gets, a, it gets a bad rap. You know, we think of the Spanish Inquisition. Confess, confess. Um, but really, confessing biblically is agreeing, agreeing with God. And so confession is we agree with God, and, we, we, um, and, and that helps cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, but it also helps kill the weeds, right? So that when we see in our hearts, for instance, um, hostility, we confess that to God. We say, God, I, I sense in my heart that I'm feeling a hostility towards this person, and I know that's not of your spirit. I know that I'm actually walking in the flesh, and God, I want to acknowledge that before you, and I ask that instead you would replace that hostility with your love. And, and we can even confess those qualities of saying, and God, I sense that, yeah, I love a little bit, but I don't love like you, God. And I'm acknowledging that because I want you to do a work in me. 
And that, what that does is that breaks up the hard ground of our hearts so that the, then the, the Spirit can grow those qualities in our hearts. So confession, it breaks that, that pride and the hardness of our hearts. The other thing we do is water with the word. So confess, water with the word, meaning all these qualities, the fruit of the Spirit, it's fruit of the Spirit, meaning the Spirit of God. These are all qualities that God exhibits, love, joy, peace, patience. These are all things that are part of the character of God. So we want to water those qualities with the word. We contemplate and confess, God, you are loving. You are uh, long-suffering and patient and all of these things. And as we look in the word and see who God is, then the Spirit starts to, to grow these things in our hearts. So we water it with a word. And then the final thing we do, so we confess, we, we water with the word. So we cultivate through confession, we water with the word. And then the final thing is share, don't compare. <laughs> All right, share, don't compare. Fruit, gifts are meant to be shared first and foremost. Right? Give them away. Love. Most of these qualities are, are done with an interaction with someone. So love, love has an object. You're meant to share love. Patience, well, that's because someone's tried your patience, but it's, it's, it's with somebody. You're supposed to share these qualities, not compare them to others. That's what verse 26 says. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So it's not an occasion if, if for instance, you're like, yeah, man, you know, I'm, I see this, you know, the, the gift of being, I'm, I'm so patient or whatever. Not many people say that, but let's just say you do. You know, compared to other people, I'm so patient. Compared to other people, I'm so loving. Compared to, compared to, no, we are to focus on God and ask that he would do these things. And we also glorify God through grace, and through victory. So if you're looking at someone, oh, I wish I was loving like them, I wish I was peaceful. No, we're, we're looking at the wrong thing. That God is also glorified, not just somebody who's been loving their whole life, although he is glorified by that. He's also glorified by someone who used to be known for being hostile and angry and combative. But now, but now they are loving because God has done a work in their hearts. That's grace, and God is glorified when through his grace people are transformed. And so it's not about comparing ourselves to other people, comparing our fruit. It's about saying, God, are you growing stuff in me? And God is often glorified when, yeah, we used to be one way, but now we're walking in victory in a different way. And then finally, I've got I to speed up here. I want to talk just a little bit about gifts of the Spirit. So we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control in our garden. Well, there's also gifts of the Spirit. Now think of these, I guess, like flowers. So think of the fruit of the Spirit like fruit and veggies. Well, think of the gifts of the Spirit like flowers. That they're, they're, you can have a wonderful bouquet, and they're meant to be given to other people. Uh, spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. So if you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to be exercising. You're going to be exercising these spiritual gifts. And just as there's lists of uh, spiritual fruit, we just read about them, fruit of the Spirit, there's also spiritual gifts. There's lots of lists in the Bible. Let me just read 
quickly from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, talking about this fruit of this, uh, excuse me, these gifts of the Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now this list is not exhaustive, and there's other scriptures that contain gifts of the Spirit. But here Paul is saying if we are walking in the Spirit, we're exercising these gifts, we're blessing other people, we're filling our garden with bouquets to give to other people, and that there is no room for weeds. So yes, that when we look at our garden, if we see weeds, yeah, we can start yanking things out, or we can say, no, I am going to walk in the Spirit. I want to grow in the fruit, but I also want to grow in the gifts. I want to grow in the gifts. The self-centered deeds of the flesh have no room to grow otherwise. And so verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. It's, again, it's like that garden. You know, people say, hey, you got to stay on that. Because if you don't stay on that garden, right, then who knows what's going to grow. And I think keeping in step with the Spirit is like that. But it's not, again, you're, you're legalistically looking and, and tearing out every weed. It's rather you're saying, oh, look, some of those weeds are going, I don't want to do, do those. So I'm going to confess them. I'm going to take those out. But then I want to make sure that I cultivate that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. I want to cultivate the gifts of the Spirit so that I'm not just living for myself, but I am using the spirits that God God gave me to give somebody encouragement, to practice faith, to, um, to work miracles, because God has given us those things. And so if we're going to be walking in the Spirit, we're going to be walking in the fruit. We're going to be walking in the gifts. And will we do that today? Will we do that? Will we step into all that God has? That's the question. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that we often fall so short of your love, of your joy, of your peace, of your patience. And God, we fall short of, of exercising the gifts. Lord, we see these weeds growing up in our hearts that are from the outside world. They come and they spring up. God, we confess that we often live by the flesh, not by the Spirit. But now, Lord, we make this commitment to you that we would open our hearts. Lord, we seek that you would fill us to overflowing with your Spirit. You would fill us to overflowing, Lord, with your fruit and your gifts. And we not just acknowledge that now, Lord. We acknowledge our utter need for your spirit to have your way in our hearts. We need you, God. We need you. And Lord, if there's any here or watching online who have, have sensed the, the weeds all up in their garden, 
Lord, I pray you do a work in us now. Lord, that you would call us not to be tearing stuff out, but rather, Lord, we would we'd be running to you. Fill us with your fruit. Fill us with your gifts. And we thank you for the promise that you do this, Lord. You make this available. You give us the freedom to walk in the Spirit. Lord, may we walk in that freedom and in that Spirit now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.